I would like to welcome everybody to the Hebraic Heritage Ministries Yeshiva Discipleship Classes. We are studying the biblical festivals. We're currently doing a series of teachings on Passover. In this week's session, we are going to be doing a teaching on the spiritual application of Passover. This is going to be part two of that teaching. As a reminder to us, when we study the scriptures, we need to understand these four basic principles. And that is when we study and examine the historical events that happen in the scriptures, the biblical principle is that they are also prophecies that will happen to future generations. We need to realize that what is written in the word of Yahweh has two primary applications. Number one, all things are written to teach us about the redemptive work of the Messiah. And of course, we know that is Yeshua HaMashiach. And at the same time, Yahweh is communicating his heart in the ways of his kingdom to his people. So therefore, what is written has a personal application to the people who are in covenant relationship with Yahweh through Yeshua the Messiah. Passover is a festival to celebrate the liberation of the people of the God of Israel. Passover is called the festival of our freedom. The deliverance came when the God of Israel commanded his people to put the blood of the lamb upon their doorposts. Spiritually, that was to teach us about Yeshua, who is the lamb of the God of Israel, who would die on the tree, shed his blood to take away the sins of the world. In John chapter 1, verse 29, it says, Behold, the Lamb of God, that is Yeshua, which takes away the sin of the world. Looking at the details of the historical Egyptian Passover, if we examine Exodus chapter 12 and verses 3 through 6, it tells us the following. Speak ye unto the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And then it goes on to tell us in Exodus or Shemot chapter 12 verses 21 and 22 that the blood of the lamb was commanded to be put on the doorposts of your house. 
Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said unto them, Draw out and take you a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out at the door of his house until the morning. The spiritual application is that the believers in Yeshua as the Messiah, we are called his house. In Hebrews chapter 3 verse 6, but Messiah as a son over his own house, whose house are we if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm until the end? You also as lively stones, in First Peter chapter 2 verse 5 it says, you are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Yeshua HaMashiach. So the commandment was to take the lamb and to put it in your house. And that is a spiritual picture of the house being a picture of family of the God of Israel through Yeshua the Messiah. He was to put the blood on the doorpost. Yeshua is the door. In John chapter 10, verse 7, 9, and 11, it is written, Then said Yeshua unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. I am the good shepherd. And this is what a good shepherd does. A good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. The doorpost from which the blood was put on is representing that we are to have a circumcised heart spiritually. In Deuteronomy in chapter 10 verse 12 it says, and now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all of his ways, to love him and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. So what does he require? Deuteronomy chapter 10 verse 16. Circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart and be no more stiff-necked. Then in Philippians chapter 3, verse 3, it says, For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Yeshua HaMashiach and have no confidence in the flesh. It's the blood of Yeshua being put upon our heart that redeems us from sin. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 and 7 it is written blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Yeshua HaMashiach who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Mashiach in whom we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace now in 1st Peter chapter 1 verses 18 and 19 it says for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold but you were redeemed with the precious blood of messiah as a lamb without blemish and without spot the reference to yeshua dying on the tree and shedding his blood is associated with the passover lamb and its requirements to be without blemish and without spot looking at the details of the requirements back in exodus chapter 12 
one of the requirements is that the body of the lamb must be eaten. In Exodus chapter 12, verses 8 through 10, it says, And you shall eat the flesh in that night. Roast with fire and unleavened bread and with bitter herbs shall you eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire its head with his legs and with the pertinence thereof. And you shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remains of it until the morning you shall burn with fire. The lamb here spiritually is representing Yeshua the Messiah. He is our Passover lamb. John chapter 6 verse 4, the setting is Passover. So it says in verse 4, In the Passover, a feast of the Jews was near. And now in verse 51, with the setting being Passover, Yeshua says, John 6:51, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Now in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, it says, Purge out therefore the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as you are unleavened, for even Messiah our Passover. Messiah is called the Passover lamb. Messiah our Passover, he is sacrificed for us. What is the spiritual meaning of eating the lamb? Why are we to eat the lamb? Well, in John chapter 6, which the setting once again is Passover, Messiah associates the eating of the lamb with believing that he is the Messiah. So when you eat the lamb, you're believing that Yeshua is the Messiah. Let's see this. In John chapter 6, verses 52 through 57, it says, The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Remember, he's the lamb of the God of Israel. How can he give us his flesh to eat? Yeshua said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whosoever eats my flesh, he's making a reference to that Passover lamb. Whosoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eats my flesh and drinks my blood dwells in me, and I in him. As the living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eats me, even he shall live by me. So he keeps making reference repeatedly that you need to eat his flesh. This does not make sense unless you understand that the setting is Passover and the context of the requirements of that Passover lamb. Let's look at this in a little bit greater detail. In Exodus chapter 12, verse 8, it says, And you shall eat the flesh of the Passover lamb. The Hebrew word for flesh is the Strong's number 1320. It's the Hebrew word basar, which means literally flesh, and it's flesh of humans or of animals, or it can refer to the entire body itself. But we have an equivalent Hebrew word, which is pronounced the same way. It's the Strong's number 1319. So thus, it also is pronounced basar. Uh, the word basar in Hebrew means to announce good tidings, to announce salvation, to preach, to publish and proclaim good news. 
So literally when you're eating the flesh in Hebrew, you're eating the basar. And basar in Hebrew means the good news. It means the gospel. So you're eating the gospel when you're eating the flesh. Let's see this in Isaiah chapter 52 verse 7 it says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that brings good tidings. The Hebrew word for good tidings is basar. That publishes peace, that brings good tidings, basar of good, that publishes salvation, that says in Zion, your God reigns. And then in Isaiah chapter 61 verse 1, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings. The Hebrew word is basar. Under the meek, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives. So when you're eating the flesh, in Hebrew you're eating the basar, and the basar is the gospel. So if you're eating the gospel, you're believing the gospel, and you believe Yeshua is the Messiah, and you're announcing and you're proclaiming good news when you spiritually eat it. That's why you're commanded to eat the flesh. The lamb must be eaten the same night. Exodus chapter 12, verses 8 through 10. Once again, in verse 8, it says, You shall eat the flesh in that night. The detailed requirements, roast with fire, with unleavened bread, bitter herbs. Verse 9, not sodden with water. Eat the head, the legs, and all the pertinence. But then in verse 10 it says, And you shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. In other words, you're supposed to eat it that same night, and you're to eat all of it. Don't let nothing remain. That is because when you eat the gospel, you're supposed to take all of the gospel. You're supposed to receive all of the gospel. And basar in Hebrew means to announce or proclaim salvation or good news. Today, when you eat that flesh, today, that day, is the day of salvation. Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15 says, Yeshua came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. The gospel's here. Believe it. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, For he has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2 says, For he says, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time Behold, now is the day of salvation. In Exodus chapter 12, verse 8, it says that the lamb was to be eaten with unleavened bread. Eat the flesh with unleavened bread. What does this teach us? Well, leaven in the Bible represents sin. Leaven is sin. We can see this if we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5. In verses 6 through 8, Your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Purge out the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as you in Messiah, with your sins being forgiven, you are unleavened. For even Messiah, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast. How do we keep the feast? Not with old leaven, not with the ways of the world and our old sin nature, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. If leaven represents sin, 
unleavened bread represents without sin. In Leviticus chapter 19, verse 2, it says, Speak unto all the congregation of the children of Israel and say unto them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. And then in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 and 16, it says, But as he which has called you is holy, so be you holy in all manner of conversation. This word conversation means conduct, how you live your life. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Quoting from Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 2. Yeshua was without sin. He's unleavened. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21, He has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Then in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 and 22, it is written, For even hereunto were you called, because Messiah also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. In Exodus chapter 12, verse 8, another requirement of the Lamb is you to eat the flesh not only with unleavened bread, but you are also to eat it with bitter herbs. What is this spiritually communicating to us? Well, bitterness in the Bible represents, among other things, being disobedient to Yahweh and being disobedient to his Torah. In Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 19, it says, Your own wickedness shall corrupt you, and your backsliding shall reprove you. Know therefore and see that it is an evil thing and bitter that you have forsaken the Lord your God, and that my fear is not in you, says the Lord God of hosts. You forsaking me, it is a bitter thing. Jeremiah chapter 4, verses 17 and 18. As keepers of a field are they against her roundabout, because she has been rebellious against me, says the Lord. Your way and your doings have procured these things unto you. This is your wickedness, because it is bitter, because it reaches unto your heart. In the Hebrew language, bitterness is linked with rebellion. In Exodus chapter 12, verse 8, the word bitter is the Strong's number 4844. It is the Hebrew word maror, which means something bitter. It means a bitter herb, or it means bitterness. Now, let's look at Exodus chapter 15, verse 23. It says, when they came to marah, they could not drink of the waters of marah because they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called marah. Marah is the Strong's number 4784. It means to be contentious, to be rebellious, to be disobedient. Notice Maror and Marah share the same base letters in Hebrew, which means that they are associated and linked with each other. When you are Marah, when you're disobedient, the result is Maror bitterness that comes into your life. Now, Jeremiah chapter 4, verses 16 and 17, Make ye mention to the nations, behold, publish against Jerusalem, that watchers come from a far country and give out their voice against the cities of Judah. Because she's been rebellious, marah, 
Back in Exodus chapter 15, verse 23, it says, Call it Marah because it was bitter. Here, the word that was translated as Marah and bitter in Exodus chapter 15, verse 23, the King James translates in Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 17, as rebellious against me, says the Lord. Bitterness also represents hardship, trials, and testing. That's what happened in Exodus chapter 15, verse 23. They encountered a hardship, a trial, or a test. They came to Marah. They could not drink the waters of Marah. There was a trial. It was a hardship. It was a test because those waters were bitter. Now in Lamentations chapter 1, verse 4, because the nation of Israel, the house of Jacob, has broken the covenant, have not followed the commandments of the God of Israel, she has a spiritual condition of being bitter. And we can see this in Lamentations chapter 1, verse 4. The waves of Zion do mourn because none come to the solemn feast. All her gates are desolate. Her priests sigh. Her virgins are afflicted. And she is in bitterness. In Lamentations chapter 3, verse 1, and then in verse 15 it says, I am the man that has seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. He has filled me with bitterness. He has made me drunken with wormwood. Wormwood and bitterness is associated with each other. Yeshua drank of a bitter cup at Gethsemane. Why is he drinking of this bitter cup? Because it says in the book of Isaiah, in chapter 63, in all their affliction, he was afflicted. By being disobedient to the commandments of the God of Israel, bitterness came upon his people. Messiah is taking upon himself the sins of his people, so he likewise is going to drink of a bitter cup. This was in Gethsemane. What was the bitter cup? Laying down his life and the struggles with the flesh that doesn't want to get up there and hang on a tree and go through all the humiliation and all the pain and all the suffering. Mark chapter 14, verse 32 and verse 36, it says, And they came to a place which was named Gethsemane, which means a place of pressure, a, a place of drawing out the oil from the olives, an olive press. And he says to his disciples, Sit ye here while... I shall pray. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Why? Because it's a bitter cup. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Even though bitter things come into your lives, press on, press through. Nevertheless, what you will. Keep following the ways of the God of Israel. The lamb, back to Exodus chapter 12, verse 8, was to be roast with fire. It says that. In Exodus chapter 12, verse 8, eat the flesh, roast with fire, and then it repeats it in Exodus chapter 12, verse 9, that you are to roast the lamb with fire. Fire represents, among other things, judgment. The lamb was roasted, which means judgment was going to come upon the lamb. How did judgment come upon Yeshua the Messiah? Because he took upon himself the sins of the world. In Genesis chapter 19, verse 24, Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. In Exodus chapter 9, verse 23, it says, And Moses stretched forth his rod toward heaven, and the Lord sent thunder 
and hail and fire ran along upon the ground, and the Lord rained hail upon the land of Egypt. Jeremiah chapter 52 and verse 13. And burned the house of the Lord and the king's house and all the houses of Jerusalem and all the houses of the great men burned he with fire. Notice when judgment came upon Sodom and Gomorrah, judgment came upon Egypt, judgment comes upon the people of the God of Israel, so thus the temple gets destroyed. They were all destroyed with fire. When judgment comes upon Hasatan and his ultimate judgment in the end of time, it says in Revelation chapter 20, verse 10, and the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire, fire representing judgment, and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and they shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. But fire not only represents judgment, but it represents refinement and purification. Psalm chapter 12, verse 6, The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Zechariah chapter 13, verse 9, And I will bring the third part through the fire, and will refine them as silver is refined, and will try them as gold is tried. They shall call on my name, and I will hear them. I will say, It is my people... And they shall say, The Lord is my God. Malachi chapter 3, verse 3. And he shall sit as a refiner in a purifier of silver. And he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver. How was gold and silver purged? By fire. That they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. It represents us going through refinement and purification trial and testing and a furnace if we eat the lamb and truly eat all the lamb this is the process where our lives will go in following the ways of the god of israel fire also represents the trials of our faith first peter chapter 1 verse 7 that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perishes though it be tried with fire, your faith is tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Yeshua HaMashiach. You see, if the word of the God of Israel is tried, and you are to have his word in your heart, guess who's got to get tried? You are, because his word's being tried and his word's in your heart. So therefore, you are being tried because the word is being tried, and the purpose of it is to come forth as gold, purified. James 1, verses 2 and 3, and then verse 12. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing. You know it's not possible to count it joy when you go through trial and tribulations unless you know. you got to know. And if you know, then you can count it joy. Knowing what? Knowing that the trying of your faith works patience. In other words, you're going to have to endure. You're going to have to stick with it. You're going to have to go through what you're going through. James chapter 1 verse 12 says, Blessed is the man that endures temptations. And actually, if you look up the word temptation in the Greek, it means trials and tribulations. Blessed is the man that endures trials and tribulations, for when he is tried and comes through successfully, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those that love him. 
looking at some other characteristics in Exodus chapter 12, verses 8 and 9, regarding the lamb. You are to not only to eat the flesh, but it goes on to say in verse 9 that you are to eat the head of the lamb. Why must the head of the lamb be eaten? Well, the lamb is Yeshua. So if you eat of the head, the head is the mind. The head represents the mind of Yeshua. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Yeshua HaMashiach. Let the mind that was in him be in you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, it says, For who has known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct us? See, we need to know the mind of the Lord in order to be instructed. But we have the mind of Mashiach. Our mind should be renewed in Messiah. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and the acceptable and the perfect will of God. And in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23, it says, And be renewed, where? In the spirit of your mind, because you have to no longer think like the ways of the world and the world system. You, you have to no longer think according to the ways of Egypt, but you have to think according to the ways of the God of Israel. And his ways are not the ways of the world. The word of the God of Israel should be written on our mind. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6 and verse 8, it says, In these words which I command you this day, what words? The words that were commanded at Mount Sinai shall be in your heart and you shall bind them for a sign upon your hand and they shall be frontlets between your eyes bind it on your mind Romans chapter 7 verse 25 says I thank God through Yeshua HaMashiach our Lord so then with the mind I myself serve the Torah of God but with the flesh I serve the law of sin the legs of the lamb must be eaten. Once again, back to Exodus chapter 12, verses 8 and 9. You're to not only eat the lamb, but it says in verse 9 that you're to eat the legs of the lamb. So when you eat the legs of the lamb, what are you doing? The legs represent our walk with Yeshua, and it represents following Torah. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, it says, As you have therefore received Messiah Yeshua the Lord, walk in him. And 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, it says, He that says he abides in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. Yeshua said in John chapter 14, verse 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. And then in 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, it says, This is the love of God. You know, you heard it said, well, all that we need to do is love. Well, how do you know when you love? 1 John chapter 5, verse 3. This is the love that we keep His commandments. And so when you said all we got to do is love, well, you love whenever you keep His commandments. You don't love by not keeping His commandments. You love by keeping His commandments. And it says His commandments are not grievous. In other words, they're not to your detriment. They are for your benefit. Walking in Torah is walking in truth. 
Psalm 119, 142. Your righteousness is everlasting righteousness, and your Torah is the truth. Psalm 86, verse 11. Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in the truth. If you're walking in the truth, what are you walking in? Torah. Unite my heart to fear your name. 1 John chapter 1, verse 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him, but walk in darkness... What do you do if you walk in darkness? You're not following Torah. We lie and we're not doing the truth. What's the truth? The Torah. And in 3 John chapter 1, verse 4, it says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. If they're walking in the truth, what are they walking in? They're walking in Torah. Walking in Torah is walking in light. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 23. For the commandment is a lamp and the Torah is light. Isaiah chapter 2 verse 5 says, O house of Jacob, come ye and let us walk in the light of the Lord. Walk in his light. That means follow Torah. Because in Isaiah chapter 2 verse 3 it says the Torah will go forth from Jerusalem. And then it says in verse 5, walk in the light. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 8, for you were sometimes darkness, meaning you didn't follow Torah, but now you are light in the Lord, meaning... You walk as children of light, meaning that you follow Torah. First John chapter 1, verse 7. If we walk in the light, that is, follow Torah, as he is in the light, as Messiah followed Torah, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Yeshua HaMashiach, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Walking in Torah is also walking in love. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2, it says, And walk in love, as Messiah has loved us and has given himself for us in offering and a sacrifice to God. What type of an offering and a sacrifice was he? He was the Passover lamb for a sweet-smelling savor. Second John chapter 1, verse 6 says, And this is love, that we walk after his commandments. And this is the commandment that you have heard from the beginning, that you should walk in it. What did you hear in the beginning that you should walk in? Following Torah. We are to walk in the Ruach HaKodesh. In Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 27, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and to keep my judgments and do them. Romans chapter 8 verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Yeshua HaMashiach, who walk not after the flesh, but walk after the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. How do we follow Torah? We follow Torah by walking in the Spirit of the Ruach HaKodesh. Do we follow Torah by following the traditions of men on how they've defined for us how we should follow Torah? You know, there is a tradition of men on how we should follow Torah. It's called rabbinic Judaism. It's called the oral law. So is the scripture saying that I'm supposed to follow everything that the rabbi said and that's how I follow Torah? No, it says... You follow the Torah of the Messiah. You follow the way he lived his life, the way he taught us how to follow Torah, and you do it according to how the Ruach HaKodesh teaches you to follow Torah. We are to walk by faith. And 
2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. We also, walking in Messiah, we are to walk in newness of life. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 4 says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were immersed in Yeshua HaMashiach were immersed into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by immersion into death, that like as Messiah was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. We are told, back to Exodus chapter 12, verses 8 through 10, regarding the specific requirements of eating the Passover lamb, that the entire lamb must be eaten. Exodus chapter 12, verse 8, not only eat the flesh, but in verse 10, you shall let nothing of it remain. What is the meaning of this? If we eat the entire lamb, we are believing the gospel, as we mentioned earlier, and we are giving it our entire heart. We're giving it our entire life. We are to dedicate our lives to service unto the kingdom of the God of Israel through Yeshua the Messiah. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20 says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Ruach HaKodesh, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own. You don't own yourself. You've been bought. When you eat the lamb, you've been bought. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20, You are bought with a price. What's the purchase price? The blood of Yeshua. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which is God's. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. That is, present your entire body as a living sacrifice. Eat the lamb, nothing of it shall remain. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now in Exodus chapter 12, verse 11, it says that the lamb was to be eaten in haste. And thus you shall eat it with your loins girded, with your shoes on your feet, and your staff on your hand. And you shall eat it in haste, because it is the Lord's Passover. The meaning of this is that we should quickly, in haste, leave the ways of the world, and quickly receive Yeshua as the Messiah. In Luke chapter 19, verses 5 and 6, it says... And when Yeshua came to the place, he looked up and saw and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide in your house. And Zacchaeus, in Luke 19, verse 6, he made haste and he came down and he received him joyfully. When he came to Yeshua quickly and joyfully. Yeshua is the target of our faith. The Messiah is the goal of our faith and the expression of our faith in the God of Israel. Philippians chapter 3 verses 13 and 14 says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this thing I do, 
forgetting those things which are behind, forgetting Egypt and its ways, and reaching forth unto those things that are before me, which are ahead of me. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God, which is found in Yeshua HaMashiach. The lamb must be eaten with our loins girded. Exodus chapter 12, verse 11. Eat it with your loins girded. So what does this represent? Our loins are to be girded with truth. Psalm 119, verse 142 says, Your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and your Torah is the truth. Ephesians chapter 6 in verses 13 and 14 says, Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God. And then it says, Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. So if your loins are girt with truth, what are you wearing? You're wearing the Torah. You're to eat the lamb with your loins girded. The lamb must be eaten with shoes on our feet. Exodus chapter 12, verse 11. Eat it, not only with your loins girded, but with shoes on your feet. What's the meaning of this? Shoes represent messengers who preach the gospel of Messiah. Isaiah chapter 52, verse 7. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that brings good tidings, that publishes peace, that bringeth good tidings of good that publishes salvation that says unto Zion your God reigns Romans chapter 10 verse 15 says how shall they preach except they be sent as it is written quoting Isaiah 52 verse 7 how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things so if you really eat the Passover lamb, you're not only going to believe Yeshua is the Messiah and commit your heart and dedicate your service unto the kingdom of the God of Israel, but you're going to eagerly receive the gospel and you will proclaim the good news of that gospel. That is how you celebrate Passover. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 15 says, And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Back to Exodus chapter 12, verse 11, how we're to eat the lamb. It says, eat it not only with your loins girded and your shoes on your feet, but you are to eat it with the staff in your hand. What does the staff represent? It represents the power and authority given unto you by being a believer in Yeshua as Messiah by eating that lamb to rule and reign with Messiah on the earth. Let's see how a staff represents authority. In 1 Samuel chapter 17 verse 40 it says David took his staff in his hand and he chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag which he had even in a scrip his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine, which is Goliath. And in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 45, it goes on to say, Then said David to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. In other words, with your own power and might 
in your ability, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defiled. Now how did he come in his name? He took a staff. He came in his name with the authority that comes by being in covenant relationship with the God of Israel. That's why David called Goliath, you uncircumcised Philistine. He didn't have a covenant. He didn't have true authority as David did, being in covenant relationship with the God of Israel. Pharaoh is a broken staff. Isaiah chapter 36, verse 6. Lo, you trust in the staff of this broken reed on Egypt, whereon if a man leans, it will go into his hand and pierce it. So is Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to all those that trust in him. Pharaoh in the world's mind and eyes, the world system has an element of power and authority. And if you trust in the world system and its natural power and authority, in the end, it is a broken staff. It is a broken reed. The staff of a good shepherd brings comfort. Psalm 23 verse 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Who is the Lord? That is David's shepherd. Well, John chapter 10 verse 11, Yeshua said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. So the Lord is my shepherd. Yeshua says that's speaking about him. Now goes on in Psalm 23 verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, the staff of the good shepherd, comforts me. Because he rules and reigns righteously. He uses his authority for good. Messiah gave his authority to his people to rule and reign following his death on the tree. Matthew 28, verse 18. And Yeshua came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, immersing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Ruach HaKodesh, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always even unto the end of the world. Amen. So he says, All power is given unto me. You go, because power is given unto me, and you teach all things that I have taught you. So Yeshua bestows the power that he has been given unto his believers to proclaim the good news, to proclaim the eating of that lamb. So back to Exodus chapter 12, verse 11. It says, eat the lamb, not only with your loins girded, with shoes on your feet, a staff in your hand, not only to eat it in haste, but this is called the Lord's Passover. In Exodus chapter 12, verse 13, it says, and the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, what is the Lord's Passover? seeing the blood when I see the blood I will pass over you and the plague will not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt 
That is because, once again, if it's the Lord's Passover, Yeshua is the Lord. Yeshua is Yahweh. Yeshua is our Passover. John chapter 5, verse 24 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that hears my words and believes on him that sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation. Now, what was it said about eating of that lamb? It says it was the Lord's Passover, and when I see the blood, I will pass over, and you will not experience the judgment. So those that eat of Yeshua, those that believe in him, look what it says. You get passed from death, from judgment that came upon Egypt. You pass from death unto life. You put the blood of the lamb upon your doorpost. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. Purge out therefore the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as you are unleavened. For even Messiah, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Passover is to be a remembrance celebration. It is to be a memorial. In Hebrew, it's a zakar, or zakaron, a memorial, a remembrance. Exodus chapter 12, verse 14. And this day, the day that you came out of Egypt, shall be unto you for a remembrance, a memorial. And you shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. So the way that I make it a remembrance is to keep it as a feast throughout my generations. You shall keep it as a feast forever. How long is forever? I think forever means forever. We are commanded to remember the exodus from Egypt. Exodus chapter 13, verse 3. And Moses said unto the people, Remember this day in which you came out from Egypt, out of the house of bondage. For by strength of hand the Lord brought you out from this place. There shall no leavened bread be eaten. Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 18. But you shall remember that you were a bondman in Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you there. Therefore I command you to do this thing. That's why in every Sabbath service, we remember the coming out of Egypt and how Yahweh drowned Pharaoh and his army in the sea. And we traditionally sing the song, Mika Mocha, who is like thee, O Lord, among the gods, in fulfillment of this commandment. We are to remember to keep the Torah. One of the ways we're commanded to remember to do this is to put fringes on the borders of our garments called in Hebrew zitzit Numbers chapter 15 verses 38 and 39 speak unto the children of Israel and bid them that they make them fringes in the borders of their garments throughout their generations and that they put upon the fringe of the borders a ribbon of blue and it shall be unto you for a fringe that you may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and to do them and that you seek not after your own heart in your own eyes, after which you used to go a-whoring. Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 12. And you shall remember that you were a bondman in Egypt, and you shall observe and to do these statutes. Keep my Torah. Follow my commandments. Why? Well, remember that you were a bondman in Egypt. That is why you're supposed to do these things. There's a principle that Yahweh remembers his covenant with the fathers 
for the purpose of redeeming his people. Why did the God of Israel call Moses? It was on behalf of the covenant that he made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In Exodus chapter 2, verses 23 and 24, it is written, And it came to pass in process of time that the king of Egypt died, and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage, and they cried, and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. In that context, why was Yochanan the immerser? Why was John the Baptist born? Why did Yeshua come into the world? It was because that the God of Israel remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's why these events happened. So in Luke chapter 1, verse 63, and then verses 67 and 68, following on in verses 72 and 73, regarding the birth of John the Immerser, let's see the context of what is told about his birth as it relates to the God of Israel remembering his covenant with the fathers to redeem his people. Luke 1.63 He asked for a writing table when he wrote, saying, His name is John, and they marveled all. And verse 67, And his father Zacharias was filled with the Ruach HaKodesh and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. Verse 72, To perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. Verse 73, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham. Passover is remembering the death of Yeshua. How do we see this? Luke chapter 22, verse 15. He said unto them, with desire, I've desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. So Messiah is celebrating the Passover, and here's what he says. Luke 22, verses 19 and 20. He took bread and gave thanks and break it, gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. What were they doing? They were celebrating Passover. And in celebrating Passover, there was a particular event of Passover that Yeshua said, Do this now to remember me. Likewise, also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26, it says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death, or you remember the Lord's death, until he comes. I'm not truly celebrating Passover unless I'm remembering Yeshua and his death on the tree in the celebration of Passover. The Passover lamb was instructed following the historical Egyptian Passover. The Passover in the future, the commandment was that it was to be killed in Jerusalem. In Deuteronomy chapter 16 verse 1, in the context of the God of Israel saying, when you go into the land that I've given you, observe the month of Aviv and keep the Passover under the Lord your God. For in the month of Aviv, the Lord your God brought you forth out of Egypt by night. Verse 5, you shall not sacrifice the Passover within any of your gates, which the Lord your God gives you, but 
at the place which the Lord your God shall choose to place his name in. There you shall sacrifice the Passover at evening, at the going down of the sun, at the season that you came forth out of Egypt. Where is the place that he would choose to place his name where you're to sacrifice the Passover? Second Chronicles chapter 6, verse 6. I've chosen Jerusalem that my name might be there, and I have chosen David to be over my people Israel. Yeshua, the Passover lamb, therefore was crucified in Jerusalem. John chapter 19, verse 17. And he, bearing his cross, went forth into a place called the place of the skull, which is called in Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him and two other with him on either side in Yeshua in the midst. Back in Exodus chapter 12, verse 43 and 46, it's going to tell us that the Passover lamb's bones are not to be broken. Exodus 12, verse 43. And the Lord said unto Moses and Aaron, This is the ordinance of the Passover. There shall no stranger eat thereof. In one house shall it be eaten. Thou shalt not carry forth aught of the flesh abroad out of the house, Neither shall you break a bone thereof. John chapter 19 verse 33. When they came to Yeshua and saw that he was dead already, they broke not his legs. Yeshua is fulfilling the requirement of Passover. Among the other requirements of Passover, there is to be an explanation of the events of Passover. In Exodus chapter 12, verses 26 and 27 it says it shall come to pass when your children will say unto you what do you mean by this service what's the purpose and the meaning behind celebrating Passover then you shall say now this is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses and the people bowed the head and worship. So there's to be an explanation of the service. Well, when Yeshua celebrates Passover on his last day here on the earth, on the night he was betrayed, he's going to explain the meaning of the service. And here's how he explains it. Luke 22, verse 15, he said to them, With desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Now he's going to explain the bread. He took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them saying, that bread, now that's my body. The commandment is to explain the service. That bread, it's my body which is given for you. This you are to do in remembrance of me. So he goes on to explain about the cup. Luke 22 verse 20. Yeshua took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the renewed covenant in my blood which is shed for you. Yeshua is fulfilling the requirement to explain the meaning of the Passover. Now in Exodus chapter 12, verse 31, it says that Yahweh spoiled the Egyptians. And he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise up and get you forth from among my people, both you and the children of Israel, and go, serve the Lord as you have said. Verse 35, And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses, 
and they borrowed of the Egyptians jewels and silver and jewels of gold and raiment. Verse 36, And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they lent unto them such things as they required and they spoiled the Egyptians. What's the spiritual meaning of this? That when Yeshua, the Lamb of the God of Israel, through his death on the tree, he spoiled the works of the evil one. In Psalm 68, verse 18, it says, You have ascended on high, you've led captivity captive. You've received gifts for men, yea, for the rebellious also, that the Lord God might dwell among them. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8. When he says, quoting Psalm 68, verse 18, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive. This is referring to Yeshua and bringing the, the prisoners out from the captivity and gave gifts unto men. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 8, which none of the princes of this world knew, that is, none of them understood how the death of Messiah on the tree would spoil the kingdom of darkness, because if they had known, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. Revelation chapter 1, verse 18, Yeshua said, I am he that lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And it says, I have the keys of hell and of death. How does he have those keys? Because he spoiled the enemy. He was victorious. He has the keys of hell and of death. It is not Hasatan that has those keys. Yeshua has those keys. Passover is the redemption of the firstborn. Exodus chapter 4, verses 22 and 23. And ye shall say unto Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. And I say unto you, Let my son go, that he may serve me. If you refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay your son, even your firstborn. Let my firstborn go. This is a spiritual picture for us that believers in the Messiah are called a congregation of firstborn believers. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22. And you've come unto Mount Zion and into the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, unto an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and congregation of the firstborn. You see, Passover is the redemption of the firstborn. When you accept Yeshua as the Messiah, you've been redeemed. You become a firstborn in his sight who has been redeemed, which are written in heaven into God, the judge of all, into the spirits of just men made perfect. They sang a song of rejoicing. In Exodus chapter 15, verse 1, as a part of the Passover events, it says, Then sang Moses and the children of Israel, this song unto the Lord and spake saying I will sing do you notice will is future they're just talking about the event that just had happened and in speaking about the event that just had happened they said we will sing so it's speaking about a future song a future victory a future redemption I will sing unto the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously the horse and his rider has he thrown into the sea 
Exodus chapter 15, verse 4. Pharaoh's chariots and his host has he cast in the sea. His chosen captains also are drowned in the Red Sea. How was this victory attained? How did Pharaoh and his army drown in the Red Sea? It tells us in Exodus chapter 15, verse 6. It was the right hand that defeated the Egyptians. Your right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, has dashed in pieces the enemy. Who is that right hand? The right hand is Yeshua the Messiah. Psalm 98, verse 1. O sing unto the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm has gotten him the victory. Notice the victory comes from the right hand, Yeshua. Now the Passover Seder traditionally ends. The Seder is the actual service itself of explaining to your children the events of the historical Egyptian redemption. This traditional Passover Seder ends with the cry next year in Jerusalem. And in Hebrew, it's Lashanah Habaah Berushalayim. And Matthew chapter 26, verse 19, it says, And the disciples did as Yeshua had appointed them, and they made ready the Passover. And when they sung a hymn, they went out in the Mount of Olives. So they sung a hymn, and then they, they were done. They concluded. Now, actually, this cry next year in Jerusalem is actually a prayer for the coming of the Messiah in the Messianic era. What is the Messianic era associated with? The end of the exile of Jacob from among the nations, the rebuilding of the temple, and it is associated with the resurrection of the dead. The cry next year in Jerusalem is a prayer for these things. So when you're saying next year in Jerusalem, that is a prayer for the restoration and regathering of both houses of Israel, Jacob, from among the nations. How do we understand as this relates and applies to us as believers in Yeshua as the Messiah? Because while there is a literal house of Jacob, the name of the family in Yeshua is the redeemed house of Jacob. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 4, it says, Moreover, brethren, I would not that you be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. And they were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They did all eat the same spiritual meat. They did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Messiah, the Redeemer, who was with his people coming out of Egypt is the rock. It is the Messiah. And we're told as believers in the Messiah, don't be ignorant that all of our fathers did this. Paul uses the word all five times in these four verses that all of our fathers were under the cloud. They all passed the sea. They were all baptized into Moses and the cloud and the sea. They all did eat the same spiritual meat. They all did drink the same spiritual drink. Why are we as believers in the Messiah to identify with these events? Well, that is because the Egyptian redemption teaches us about the end of days. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11, it says, Now all these things happen unto them for in samples, but they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. We need to understand the principle that the Egyptian redemption is actually a parable to teach us about the end of days. 
In Psalm 78, verses 1 and 2, it says, Give ear, O my people, to my Torah. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. Listen to my Torah, because if you listen to my Torah, I am going to open my mouth in a parable. And talking about the parable, it goes on to say, Psalm 78, verse 13, He divided the sea and caused them to pass through, and He made the waters to stand as a heap. These events of the historical Egyptian redemption is called a parable. What is a parable? It is something that has a deeper meaning than the literal events themselves. And what is the meaning? It's to teach us about the Messiah and how the God of Israel is going to redeem the entire house of Jacob from among the nations in the end of days. That is because the future redemption is likened unto the historical Egyptian redemption. Hosea chapter 2 verse 15. I will give her her vineyards from there in the valley of Achor. Achor in Hebrew means trouble. The valley of trouble, a reference to the tribulation. The tribulation will be your door of hope. Why? Because you're to eat the lamb roast with fire for a door of hope. And she will sing there as in the days of her youth. She will sing as in the day when she came up out of the land of Egypt. Micah chapter 7 verse 15. According to the days of your coming out of the land of Egypt, will I show unto him marvelous things. So the future redemption is called the song of the Lamb. Psalm 137 verses 3 and 4. And there they that carried us away captive, they mocked us and they required of us a song. And they said, sing us one of the songs of Zion. What's the song of Zion? Redemption. How shall we sing the Lord's song, the song of Zion, in a strange land? When is the Lord's song being sung? Revelation chapter 15 verse 3. What's it called? It's called the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. Revelation 15 verse 3. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying... Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, thou King of saints. This is going to conclude part two of understanding the spiritual application of Passover. We are studying the biblical festivals and we still have more to study as it relates to Passover. We will have a couple more sessions on understanding Passover and how it relates to us as believers in the Messiah and how it teaches us about Yeshua. But in the meantime, let us all remember these words from 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, that he that says he abides in him, he that says he abides in Yeshua, the Messiah, ought himself to walk even as he walked. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen.